0: Okay, Pete Giuliano, it is Sunday, uh, what is it, the holy cow, the 20th of twentieth of December, 2015. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast of the United States, and it is what, 5? Uh, no,
1: 6. 6 a.m. 6 a.m.
0: On the left coast. It's a, <laughs> it's a bit more civilized for you out there, but thank you once again for rising with the sun to participate in the solder smoke this is episode 183 yes
1: 183 you got it
0: year end edition Christmas edition all wrapped up into one here we got a lot of things to cover but before we start I must make note of a momentous event Pete Giuliano has completed yet another orbit of the sun
1: hold on
0: awesome Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> it was on forever, too. We we only, we only drag that out on special occasions. I, 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 honored. I, when I When I learned about the, uh, the momentous event, I, I, I brought it out. Um, we don't have too much to report in terms of travel log, but we did talk about bears uh, a couple of episodes ago, and we have had another encounter with wildlife here in the wilds of northern Virginia. Exciting stuff, eh? Ooh, yeah. Much closer to home. Yeah. Lisa came home the other day after driving me to work. She pulls up in the driveway and seated up on the roof of our garage, looking down at her, a very large fox.
1: <gasps> Got any cats but, around the house? Well, you know we do,
0: but but Tyson the cat, the uh, the British cat who uh, has uh, who had at one point an asbo against him. You know what an asbo is, don't you? No. An antisocial behavior. Oh, okay, so, okay. When oh, okay. we picked him up at the cat orphanage, they had written on the on the cage "antisocial," <laughs> which is quite something coming from the Brits. Yeah, you know, they're, yeah. they're animal lovers, yeah. and uh, you know, so for them to label the the, the little furry creature antisocial, he's got to have some problems. Plus, his name was Tyson. Yeah, I think, I think it was more Tyson. like Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he, he, Tyson has not had any problems with the with the foxes and i understand the foxes uh, appetite for cats is is, uh, is exaggerated so far so good but anyway that's our that's our that's our fun with animals report this week now on to the radio yes all right bench reports we're going to do bench reports a lot of stuff a lot of stuff's been brewing a lot of solder been melting oh
1: yeah hey i just have to share one thing of you because you mentioned about tyson being from the uk uh i happen to get i happen to belong to the pancake club club at ihop and because it was my birthday i got a free set of pancakes so i went in there and the young lady uh, who was serving us uh probably maybe 18 19 years old she grew up in the uk so she was having a little problem handling the plates i said it's a bit wonky there and she said she said you talk my language (laughs) Because I picked that up from you, <laughs> so, from Maria. Yeah, I mean, Maria, because yeah, yeah,
0: she always yeah. wants to daddy.
1: Yeah. it's a bit wonky.
0: Yeah, <laughs> great. Maria had Maria had a really beautiful British accent for the first uh, couple years that she was talking, but then we went back to. Um, to new york and she hung out with her new york cousins and it was all gone yeah yeah i I noticed her
1: i noticed her enunciation and and ciao brother ragazzi she (laughs) speaks it like (laughs) like a native Uh, yeah yeah yeah, she was good okay bench report actually since the last podcast i've been very involved finishing up the receiver portion of the simple receiver. And and just a huge, a huge success. Yeah, it, it was. I, I built one and I was kind of amazed. And then our, our friend Michele in downtown Croatia builds one just like it.
0: Hey, Dex,
1: I don't know if you saw this, but
0: Dex in New Zealand, Dexter, wrote in and he dubbed he saw that video of Michele's rig and he dubbed it perfectly. Man, this guy has a way with words.
1: Mm.
0: He called it the Croatian creation.
1: Yeah, 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 you're right. You know, you know, when I first looked at that, he had all these boards tacked together and I said, oh, okay, but then he grabbed that thing and he shook it. Did you see that in the video? Oh, that How
0: was really look? exciting. That yeah, was an yeah, exciting moment.
1: Yeah, and nothing moved, <laughs> nothing changed. And I said, oh, that's solidly built. Yeah, it's exciting.
0: No, I, I put I put the video up on the blog and I, I noted in it. I said, we always love it when the rigs are spread out on the board with a lot of jumper wires and, it's all just—it's obviously that first moment of seeing that the thing will actually inhale RF. But Michele has got extra points because, as occurs with yours very often, underneath, like on the workbench, but but, like between the workbench and the PC boards, are all the noodling drawings, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the the papers with you know. Uh, Erase, erase pencil marks and lines and exclamation points and figures and doodles and noodles and spilled coffee and all the good junk. Yeah, that goes into making a successful homebrew receiver or transmitter. You,
1: you know, he printed off the spice simulations that, that were up on the on the blog because I made him uh, gifts so you could just download them. So and that's what they had. You know, you could I could say, oh yeah, I see what that is. So it, it worked really good. I, I was uh, really impressed. I, I thought. Gee, mine is just sort of strange. It's quiet between stations. You know, like there's not a lot of internal noise, and and he saw the same thing on his build. So so there must wow. be something about that design <laughs> that that makes it kind of quiet. And I, I I'm I'm just kind of excited to see you know a second build of that and, work, and it working and works just like mine. So uh, really great. Well, it's more than
0: second. We see other elements, other people out there building it or at least using parts. Parts of it, of it yeah. Them. Parts of the design. So, uh, if you guys are looking for uh, for a project, check out Pete's Simple Seaver. It's up on his blog, with really uh, extensive uh, documentation. So much cool documentation that it was picked up by Hackaday. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was that was really neat. I noticed that all of a sudden I saw it on Hackaday, and people were sending it to me. And you know, it's Hackaday. They they it's a very very popular, very well visited website. And it's hard to get stuff on Hackaday, well, partially because what they're really looking for is more kind of computer-type hacks, you know, using the technology, the circuits, the boards, the chip, the software for a purpose that it really wasn't designed for. And so our, our stuff really doesn't fit in very well. But they were so impressed by your documentation and all the simulations, the LT Spice and all that, it went on to hackaday. You must have seen quite an uptick in the uh, oh, oh, yeah, site. yeah, <laughs> I did, I did.
1: <laughs> so it's kind of kind – of, but, you know, I think that's that's the important thing is once you get LT Spice, you know, people say, oh, geez, what I got to do with that? You know, that's com- complicated. It's not – it is so easy to just try things and then say, boy, that ain't going to work or, you know, oh, that that's cool, and you can move on without spending a lot of time with the soldering iron and, you know – How long
0: how – long- how long have you been using LT Spice? When did you get into it?
1: Actually using it in detail uh, yeah. about a month ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I used it oh. once before. I tried designing a receiver before, and I just said, this is a lot of work, and, and I stopped using it. And then I got, I only got into it because I had the Tentec 150A. <laughs> I right. said, okay, i got to simulate those networks. And now, you know, you, there's so much you can do. Uh, so. No, no, I, I, I really
0: like it, and, um, and it's, been, it's been great. It's a great tool. Did, did, you, get the,
1: did you get the SPICE simulation of the substopper?
0: I, 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 I've got to have a look at it yet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> you, you gave me that as an assignment, so I said, okay. Here All we right. go. Here we go. But, but uh, really, uh, the next step is to add the transmitter. And when I really started noodling the transmitter – I think most of the parts that are in the receiver just get moved over, <laughs> you know, the, the same crystal filter, the same IF amplifiers. Uh, the only thing that we had to come up with is a microphone amplifier, which I did, and that's that's up on the site. So if someone's so inclined and don't want to wait for me, <laughs> you you can take all those parts and just put them together and build your, your transmitter because I, I feel really certain it'll work and work very well based on the receiver performance.
0: But I always think it's a good idea to do the receiver first and build a receiver because yeah. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. In the old days, even the real hardcore hams, even the hams hams, even the guys who knew which end of the soldering iron to grab, they very often shied away from building receivers. There was a widespread belief that you could build transmitters, but well, a ham, a ham really couldn't be expected to build a suitable receiver, which was, of course it might've been true way back in the early days when it was very difficult to get oscillators stable and get filters of the proper, you know, pass band and everything. But then it, by was certainly by the forties and fifties, it was, it was really possible to build very yeah. useful super receivers. Then later on, of course, we had the, um, the direct conversion revolution that came along. So that's, it, it's, it's, it's really possible. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a hoot to uh, the first time you turn that thing on, you you start having signals coming through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Well, you know, Bill, there's a couple things on the drawing board. One, I've I've put the layout of the transmitter, so that's going to be the next stage. But let me tell you what's in the back of my mind. Instead of trying to um, build a whole bunch of uh, circuits for uh, other bands – I'm thinking about using uh, two J310s f- configured as a dual gate MOSFET as a uh, self-excited converter. So so this way, you you put the crystals on gate two, uh, build an oscillator. If you look in the bare bone superhead, that's yeah. what the mod does with the product detector. He, he doesn't have a separate product detector. He builds a crystal oscillator with gate two, feeds a signal into gate one. So... Yeah. I'm think I'm thinking you could build like if you want to listen to 20 instead of putting a 20 on there, if it's working really well in 40, put a converter on the front.
0: Yeah. Well, Doug DeMar was really into that. Yeah. He called them serverters. Sir yeah. S-C-E-R. That was when his call was W1CER. Yeah. As Sir
1: Verters, yeah. I those. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to gin something up and see what we can do and uh, maybe uh, see if you can put in some other bands. It might be nice just to Say you want to listen to 17 meters or 12 meters without building a special radio, just a little converter, right. plug-in crystals. There you go. Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. You got it. You got it. <laughs> We're being very British this morning. Yeah, yeah. Bit wonky. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> bit wonky. All right. Well, listen, you
0: you said a couple of things, I guess. Are you done with the, on yeah, your on yeah, your yeah Yeah, because
1: I'm spending all the time just finishing that up, and, and I have been playing with the W7ZOI. Uh, high-cast circuit to add AGC, I may come up with something different. Uh, that's a lot of circuitry to do that. I, I'm looking for something simple and uh, because this is a simple siever, and that's a lot of parts. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'm working on that. All right, well, good.
0: Well, uh, so many things that you said about transmitters and receivers and the first experience with listening to a receiver. I, I am working, I mentioned this on the blog, on... Uh, A receiver project. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. It's since got a name. It's now called The Frankenstein.
1: Can we hear the creaking door?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, somebody um, Paul Darlington wrote in and said, it is alive! (laughs) Okay, let let me describe this thing. I'll describe it a bit. I can't really describe it completely because there's some pretty complicated stuff going on in there, but it is a phasing receiver. Anybody who's interested in it, if you want to see where the idea came from, it's Rick Campbell, KK7B. And in the uh, January 1993 issue of QST, he wrote an article entitled High Performance Single Signal Direct Conversion Receivers. The, The subtitle is The Direct Conversion Receiver Described in August 1992 QST. Featured high dynamic range, low distortion audio, and super SSB shaped filter shape factor. So that was a simple direct conversion receiver that he built. What more could you ask for? How about adding an image reject mixer to that basic deli- design for opposite sideband rejection? Basically, what it what it what this kind of receiver does is if you have a direct conversion receiver, anybody who's used an HW7 or an HW8 or any other direct conversion receivers knows that. Simplicity has its cost because you're listening to both sides of zero beat. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's, imagine, if you, for guys who are relatively new, imagine if your transceiver was on, and when you turned it on, you had to hit both the upper sideband and the lower sideband button at the same time. So you'd be li- listening to everything that was 3 KCs above your tuning frequency and everything that was 3 KCs below. And if you're only interested in upper sideband, you only need to listen to that part that's above the zero beat, above what the, the numerals on your, on your rig say. But if it's a direct conversion receiver, unless you do something extra, you're going to be listening to both sides, upper and lower sideband, above and below zero beat. But what you do with, with the phasing type of receiver is you, you add circuitry that allows you to have all of the benefits of a direct conversion receiver, which are, are many, and but at the same time only get the portion of the spectrum that you're interested in listening. In other words, you get rid of that other side of zero beat that you have no interest in listening to. And this is very important. And I just find that the, the way of doing this very different from uh, all the other receivers I've built. Um, we, we're, we've been building many, many filter-type receivers. The Bidex uh, uses filter-type receivers to get rid of that, what they call the other, the other sideband, or really, I think better said, the other side of zero beat. But um, this one is a really kind of a cool circuit that makes use of the inherent phase relationships between the um, sum and difference products of mixers. And it gets a bit complicated, but there's basically a really kind of cool trick that's done with physics and trigonometry that allows you, with the addition of some additional circuitry, to basically null out the other sideband that you're not interested in, the other side of zero beat. So I've been, the reason I call it the Frankenstein receiver is that I, I'm, I'm using. An AD9850 um, VFO board that I got from Paul Darlington, uh, M0XPD, and the Kanga folks in the UK. And they sent it over to me. Very kind of them. Dennis. And Yep. And yeah, I think this one was designed by, by Paul. It's one of his shields. Anyway, you have an Arduino. I use an Arduino Uno. And I put on top of it Paul's shield. And Paul's shield has the AD9850. But it also has... Um, some a circuitry that generates what they call quadrature. So it divides the frequency coming out of the ADA 9850 by four, and then it spits it out in two different streams. The only difference between the two different streams is that one is 90 degrees behind the other. So you have what's called quadrature. And the reason I call it Frankenstein is they have this in a little box And to make it convenient, I put BNC connectors off to the sides. For a number of reasons, it was better to have them off to the sides. So it looks like the bolts in in Frankenstein's neck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) By the way, Maria's reading uh, Frankenstein in uh, in high school. So it was a very, I guess I had Frankenstein on my mind, Mary Shelley and all that. But um, anyway, you really, this is not the kind of thing that how it all works really can't be explained in a podcast. A video might be better, and that might might come eventually, or this might actually be something that would be included in an update of the the solder Smoke book. But uh, if you want to figure it out, you really do have to spend some time noodling. One fellow wrote in on the blog. He said, well, you lost me when you started talking about phasing. Well, this is is the kind of thing you really have to sit down with the books. You have to probably sit down with multiple articles and uh, some notepad and paper and just work through it. And, and see if you can figure it out in your own way. I think everybody has their own particular way of, of seeing things and understanding things. And I certainly had to struggle with this for a while. It's very similar to uh, the the scheme that's used in the old phasing transmitters, like the HT37, which is going, goes back to 1959. But anyway, uh, Peter Parker has been interested in the, in the phasing rigs also, VK3YE. And I think he... Picked up on the allure of these of this circuitry, and it's something that Rick Campbell talks about in his articles. There's something really kind of cool and elegant about doing it this way. And anyway, so I have launched on this adventure, and I am I've made I'm happy to report really significant progress. The first signals were received last night.
1: Hey, way to go! You got a video.
0: Not yet. I just did it last night. Now let me explain. This is and this is kind of a cool way of explaining what happened and why it happened. You know, we have I, one of the principles of home brewing that we're always kind of emphasizing in the podcast is that when you build something, you got to test it stage by stage. Don't try to build the whole thing, then plug it in and say, "Oh my gosh, it doesn't work," because then you'll have no idea which. Part of it doesn't work, you know, which, you know, each each of these receivers, transmitters, transceivers is composed of multiple sub-circuits. And really the best thing to do is to test the sub-circuits as you build them. All right. So I started out with the DDS board that Paul and Conga UK had sent me a while back. And I pulled it out and I tested it. Sure enough, I found, I think I mentioned this last time, that everything was working except for the critical... Uh, 90 degree phase shift circuitry. I wasn't getting I and Q. I wasn't getting square waves out with one 90 degrees behind the other. And I I contacted Paul and he and I were both kind of scratching our heads across the Atlantic. And then finally, I realized that there was a really good chance that my (laughs) very inexpert uh, surface mount soldering might have been the problem. So just as I was about to give up on the whole thing and order a completely new board, I fired up the soldering iron, put on a, one of those little fine, little tiny tips, and I went in and resoldered all of the I think sixteen or thirty-two little pads on the uh, on the divider chips that generate the square waves. Plugged it in, bingo! We got I, we got Q, we got ninety-degree phase shift. Okay, so that's the first subassembly that's that's been tested. Then the second real thing that you do when you build one of these things is you build essentially two direct conversion receivers. Now, a direct conversion receiver is super simple. All it is is a mixer and an audio amplifier. And into the mixer, an audio amplifier at the output, into the mixer you send your signal from the antenna and you send your oscillator signal. All right, I have the oscillator. The oscillator is the DDS-809850. Um, I have a signal that can come in from the antenna. On uh, 40 meters, you don't even really need a, an RF preamp or anything, you just need the antenna. So what I built over the last week or so were were the first part of the audio amplifier and a rather complicated diplexer that uh, Rick Campbell designed. It's a bandpass diplexer. And it was kind of complicated, but obviously I trust him and he, he said it was worth it. So I went ahead and built it. Built it, you know, fairly carefully, and uh, using you know pretty carefully selected parts that I got from DigiKey. So anyway, I'm sitting there looking at this thing yesterday, and I say, "Okay, look, there's the oscillator." Built two audio amplifiers, and I said, "Now it's time to test the audio amplifiers." So as I was doing the test on the audio amplifiers, I, I basically I set up one as a direct conversion receiver. I hooked up a 40 meter antenna, and I could I could hear regular direct conversion. Receiver, it's working. And I go over to the other one, it's on the same board. I'm using your board, the board that you sent to me for for use with the BidX. I repurposed it. On the other side of the board, I'm looking at the second uh, uh, direct conversion receiver. That one didn't work. That was kind of fun. It didn't work. So I was able to use the first one as sort of a test. Okay, what does the signal look as I go through there? And I, I go through on the other one, which is supposed to be identical, and I see exactly the point where the signal stops. Sure enough, I look, I had a cold solder joint. Yep. Pull out the soldering iron, heat it up a little bit. Bingo. Now, okay, so now I've got two direct conversion receivers, and the only difference between them is one is being fed by a signal that's 90 degrees behind the other signal from the LL. That's it. I couldn't, Pete, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I, I had to listen to it. So... This at this point is what it's what they used to call or they still call a binaural receiver. And what they what they say, and, and it's been in QST, it's in Rick Campbell, it's in EMRFD. If you take headphones and hook up one headphone to the one direct conversion receiver and the other headphone to the other direct conversion receiver, you'll get what's described as this really kind of freaky, groovy. Ethereal stereo effect.
1: So when you right? tune it, it sounds like it's going through your head. It does. <laughs> this is this is I mean it's this
0: is this is a real kind of seventy almost New age-ish kind of thing. It is, but it's you know, and I got to tell you, my reaction. This is, okay. So uh, essentially, I, I look around and I figure, I look at it, and I say, okay, these audio amplifiers that I'm dealing with now, they were just really the preamps. They weren't intended to have enough output to drive a loudspeaker or anything like that. But I figured if I get some very sensitive high impedance headphones, which I have, I have a collection of old old headphones, and hook them up, I should be able to hear the audio. I could see on the scope that there is a significant audio output coming from both receivers. But now I want to hear it. So I know that I can't, if I hook up an 8-ohm speaker, it's not going to do it but I got these high impedance, high sensitivity headphones. And I figure if I hang them off the ends of the audio amplifier, I'll be able to hear it. So I rig it up and I have it so that one headphone is going to one receiver, the other earphone, for the other ear is going to the other, and there's a common, the common ground goes to ground on the board. And I, I, I put them on and sure enough, CW is coming through. And as I tune it around, just as they describe in the QST article, it's really weird because it sounds like the, the signal is coming. It's on one side of your head. It's coming in one ear. It's, it, you know, we don't even realize this, but when we hear sounds, our brain automatically tells us where the sound's yeah. coming from. Yeah. And it's based in part on the stereo effect because there's a, there's a lag between when the sound hits one ear and when it hits the other, right? And this lets us sort of say, oh, okay, it's over there, right? It's, it's just like binocular it's vision The
1: computer in the middle
0: tells you <laughs> it's the computer in the middle okay but here's the thing you know I, I, my reaction to it was not what i expected i would i was not i wouldn't say that i was really kind of blown away by it because I, I, some people have described this kind of you know life-changing <laughs> yeah, experience <right>. <laughs> you know no it wasn't like that but here's the thing i was playing with it and i started to think to myself hey, as you tune the thing across all of a sudden the signal moves kind of through your head and it's completely on one side. And I'm thinking to myself, how is this circuitry sending this signal to only one of the earphones and not the other? How is that happening? It's not happening. Because you think about it, both receivers are getting exactly the same RF signal. The yellow frequencies are exactly the same only difference is one is 90 degrees out of phase with the other. That's a very, very slight difference at, you know, 7 megahertz, right? But the, our ear-brain system is sensitive enough to pick out those phase differences because it's the same kind of phase difference that lets us know distance where the tiger sound is coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In uh, on the savannah in Africa, when we were out there as hunter gatherers, right? So, um, anyway, uh, it, that was kind of cool. And I found myself sitting there and I would hear it, and it would sound to me as if I mean, it sounds like it's coming out of only one headphone. And I'm saying, how could, how could that be? You know, it's 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 it's, it's the receivers are identical, good- but I would pull one headphone off and only listen to one, and it's there, and then I'd go like this, I'd pull the other headphone off. And it's there, too. It's identical. But when you put them both on, it sounds like it's on one side and not the, the other. computer in the middle. It. It's, yeah, it's the, it's, it's the meat computer in the yeah, middle. And you, yeah. Then you tune it a little bit, and all of a sudden it does feel like it's going back to the other side. Anyway, really interesting stuff. And I, I had a lot of fun with this yesterday. And it, But, it, it again, it all started with a desire just to sort of test the uh, this, these particular subcircuits. It sounds really, really nice. It sounds... It sounds crisp, pure, yeah. clean. Yeah, and um, even even with you know the the DDS running with all the digital stuff going on there, I, I guess this this is attributed to, to to Rick's really excellent and carefully designed diplexer, but it, it sounds great. So I'm I'm having a lot of fun with this thing. It's got I mean, and I, I put on the blog when I described it. It's got a lot. There's a lot of soul in this new oh, machine. Yeah. So there's the board that you sent me. Little with the squares from your two hundred fifty thousand dollars <laughs> CNC machine, the famous two hundred fifty k. The there's the 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 board that Paul and Kanga UK sent to me. The shield there's the Arduino underneath it, which gives it a bit of Italy, and uh, it's all literally on a cutting board from Italy, an Italian cutting board, which adds you know, that kind of, kind of mamma mia yeah. bella figura yeah, factor yeah. in there. So. Uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this thing. And the next thing to do, uh, what, I, what I have to do next is I have to build uh, the um, audio phase shift network, because what you do now is you take one of these audio streams and you shift it by an additional 90 degrees. And this allows you, through the, the miracle of physics and trigonometry, to null out one side of zero beat and reinforce the other side of zero beat. And that turns that that gets this beautiful little direct conversion receiver to um, eliminate the problem that makes an HW8 or an HW 7 or any other direct conversion receiver a bit less than optimal so and I'm really looking forward to that because you'll be able to you you look at if you understand it and I've come to an understanding of it you really understand the uh, the, the cleverness of it the uh, the the elegance of it. Uh, and uh, I, I think I think it's a shame if anybody goes and tries to build one of these things without doing the, 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 the noodling required to really understand it. And I, and I have to say I think I, I think you have to go for an understanding that's beyond just knowing what the trig identities point to. You know I mean, you could just you could look at it you could look at the trig formulas and say oh yeah okay well if you do this you know, sine, cosine, how, they, you know, how the multiplication takes place, and then you take do the summing, see that one side of the equation goes to, to zero and the other side's reinforced. But it really, I think you get a deeper understanding if you take that and then you start noodling, you start looking at what happens and why it happens and why these phase shifts lead, why these phase shifts would lead to a situation in which when you do the, the summation at the end, one side of zero beat is annihilated or knocked 40 dB down, and the other is reinforced. That is really cool. Yep. And, uh, and uh, I'm having a
1: lot of fun with it. I had a couple questions, Bill. The uh, yeah. On the front end, did you have to build a splitter for the antenna to go into two? You're supposed to. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, okay. Yeah. And I eventually, and I eventually <laughs> Okay, okay and and you know you but but I was so anxious to get it going and I was sitting there and I was taking the clip lead from from the antenna and I put it on the input of one of the SBL1 mixers and then I put it on the input of the other but then of course if you're if you have the knack you think hell I'm going to wrap the two of them together <laughs> and I'm going to clip it onto both right because yeah. in a certain sense that's well that's what the splitter's going to do it's oh, going to yeah. do it yeah. With less loss, it's going to do it with a better impedance match. Yep. But essentially, it's going to say, yeah, clip, boom, there you go. Well, I, yeah,
1: I, I'm just trying to head off someone sending you a, a note on the block. Well, I tried that, and I couldn't get it to work, you know, and I'm saying, oh, okay, well, you, <laughs> you got all the pieces there. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. Yeah, 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 but that, that's... And, yeah. Um... Now, is this the same circuit that is in uh, Q- QRP power? The book um, A-R-R-O. I,
0: I It might be. I don't know. I haven't looked at that book in a while. But is it a? Bi- is they, they build it as a binaural? Yeah.
1: But I, he's got I, two of them in there. He it, actually he's got three in there.
0: Well, yeah, it, it, Rick. I mean, he started out with the. Uh,
1: it, it became the R two, I guess.
0: Yeah. The, the R two is is ba- this is basically the R two. Okay. Yeah. That, in, in experimental methods for RF design, he comes up with an R two mini and an R two pro. Different versions, but the same basic, basic scheme. And uh, anyway, this is what I've been, been playing so, with. So
1: are you going to build the T2?
0: I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, right now uh, I'm thinking of just, just doing this one, but it's, it's really, it's cool. It's really cool on the receive side. And I'm looking forward to uh, doing the, the phase net, phase shift network and then getting it so that I can, uh, you know, null out that other side of zero beat. But uh, thanks to, to Rick Campbell for uh, for doing all the work on this, it's been out for a while. Of course, now it's more than more than twenty years. But uh, I think it's it's some really neat circuitry. And it, and again, it's there's an entire chapter on phasing rigs and experimental methods for RF design. It's a real uh, treasure trove of, of very great technical information on this stuff. So uh, anyway, three cheers for for Rick Campbell and, and phasing. All right, what's next? Let's see what else we got. Oh.
1: One hundred and sixty meters. Years. Yes, don't you forget? You, I, you are committed. You are. You. You, you not, have signed on, my I, friend. I, I, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I. I. You probably didn't get a chance to see it. I sent you a design for a hundred and sixty meter AM transmitter.
0: I did see that. That is cool. That that, that gets. But that's. It's <laughs> the kind of thing it reminds me. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mad Dogs and <laughs> Okay. Uh, we got to explain to our listeners about the uh, yeah. the covenant that the three of us have entered oh, into. Yeah, sure, go ahead. You, me, and Steve Silverberg, Silverberg have have committed to uh, to getting on 160 meters because we calculated. I think that we have what like 140, yeah, thousand years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. 140 years of ham radio and no
1: experience. experience on the top not, end.
0: <laughs> nothing. Not not a single, uh, uh, you know, electric electromagnetic emission from any of us And so this has to be corrected and i was prompted to do this because of my adventures with the dx 100 which has a 160 meter position there on the uh, on the band switch it also has 11 meters by the way but we're gonna Forget ignore that, that yeah. one yes you'll,
1: you'll convert that uh, to 12 so yeah that <laughs> dx
0: <DX100> 100 on 12 <laughs> meters ah! <laughs> but um anyway we're um we are um I know Steve is uh, is working on on his, and um, anyway we're uh, we've got we've got a lot of good things going, and uh, um, my antenna project is an inverted L, uh, and it, it I've done the, the ground way uh, the, the I've done the um, the, uh, the the kind of the uh, the ground system for it. It's just the part that goes up in the air that I haven't done yet. <laughs>
1: Everything at ground level is fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's climbing that ninety foot ladder is a problem <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, it's going to be a quarter way, and uh, anyway uh, I, that's that's what i'm going 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 to be doing. Steve is uh, got, I think got similar antenna projects he's going to wait till he's up in in New England but i'm going mine's going to be an, an inverted L and uh, it's going to go straight up and over it's got to be about a hundred and forty feet. I've put out a number of radials i've got some ground stakes down. But, Steve, you and I will be on 160 meters, I'm sure, within a few months. Anyway, um, uh, that, that's where we're going. Any, any thoughts on that?
1: No, I think that's great. And, and uh, y- y- you know, I, I've been listening on 160 meters, and I just occasionally hear a little bit of operation on sideband, uh, nothing on AM. I, I tend to think 160 meters seems to be more indigenous to the east coast than the west coast. It,
0: it, it might be. Because I listen on 160 most mornings pre-dawn, and there's always a number of sideband stations on there. There's usually a few CW stations, especially if it's Gray Line time, and they're going for DX. And there's almost always uh, an AM roundtable going on in in the morning there on 160. So I have I have high hopes, and um, I think it'll just it'll be fun. I don't know if I'm I know I'm not going to get it done by straight key night, but um, yeah, that's we'll, a week uh, away. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. time flies, but we're working on it. But uh, anyway, a lot of fun, and also a lot of fun on on forty meter AM. I've been fooling around with the DX one hundred and the Hamerland HQ one hundred on uh, seventy two ninety 7290 and seventy two ninety five. This is using the K two ZA um, John Zaruba transmitter, and I must say, it is it it's it's a, 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 a it's a world apart from the Yesu, Icom, Kenwood, um, you know, kilobuck boxes that you hear on the sideband frequencies. It's Every time I get on there, I meet somebody who's running some weird rig from the 1950s, many of which I've never heard of. I have, Pete, I have run into at least five different guys who are running... Get this, multi-LMAC oh, AF67. AF67
1: and AF68, yes. And oh, the PMR-8, yeah. yes. Of <laughs> <laughs> yes. You Yes.
0: You, you say that, but the rest of us say, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. that's, that's something different. Gonna, I thought you
1: were going to talk about a, a Harvey Wells bandmaster. Or, or a cosmophone. <laughs> a cosmophone. Cosmophone, yeah, yeah.
0: And it, it, it's a different world. Well, it, it, it is. And these guys who are running these rigs, obviously know how to keep them running, because this, this is not plug and play radio. This is buy it, fix it, fix it again, repair it, uh, work on it, modify it, fix the audio. And it's, it, it's it's very refreshing to get on on the air and not be the only one who actually melted a bit of solder yeah, yeah. in his station, so I, I, I'm really enjoying it.
1: But by, by the way, I wanted to share something with you. I did a cost estimate on building a hundred watt AM transmitter from all new parts, uh-huh. and I stopped at seven hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, my transformer. Yeah, the power transformer is one hundred and fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's ways around. no, no. no that. I'm you just feel- saying, if you tried to build one, you have to go to these old boat anchors. Yeah, time in there. I mean, you may pay two hundred dollars for it, but that's cheaper than say, I oh, yeah, I'll just scratch build it, seven hundred dollars.
0: But they're all going with what they call class E rigs now. Yeah, and, and I think the cost is a lot less. And you find a lot of a lot of guys on the air with homebrew class E transmitters, and uh, I think that's really interesting. One one of the things I don't really like is that you also find on the AM frequencies a lot of guys who are running SDR rigs. And you know I have, I have my feelings about yeah. this, but it, it it seems like a little bit kind of contrary to the spirit of the uh, of, of of the the AM experience. It's quite a it's it's quite a a a, 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 a almost like a clash of cultures and technology. You got one guy's running a DX one hundred, and the and he's talking to a guy who's on an SDR rig. I mean, it, it's uh, it's different. And, it's, and it's, the guy on the uh, SDR rig hot.
1: says, "Yeah, I don't like your skirts." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I was on AM and I was I I was telling one of these guys about how I was building the uh, the phasing receiver, and he, one of the guys who was on an SDR rig came back and said to me he was quite sincere. He said, "I don't understand why you're doing that because I'm using a direct sampling dongle SDR receiver and it works great. Why don't you just use one of those?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I I have one here. It it was thirteen bucks from China." But I'm, I'm building this one because it's kind of fun and interesting and I want to learn about it. Whereas if it's a direct sampling receiver, I've done nothing other than plug it into the USB port and load the software. I mean, that's it. I have no, I, 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 I can look inside it and I see this humongous chip in there with, you know, with like 40 pins off each of the four sides. But I don't know what's going on in there. I don't know. It's it, like I said, kind of a clash of cultures looking at, looking at that ship and then looking into a DX 100. <laughs> that's a different experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, but it is fun on, on 40, a lot of good tech talk and some strange coincidences too. Alan Wolke, uh, heard me on, on 40 AM. He was fooling around with his Drake two B. He was tuning around. He heard me, He made a little recording, put it up on the, I, I put it on the blog, a lot of fun. And our friend Armand, has, uh, has, has done the same thing. And it's so, uh, uh, you know, really, uh, good stuff. And they, and, and like I said, lots of multi MAC AF sixty I've been reading electric radio magazine too. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Electric. Like,
1: yeah, radio. I have, I have,
0: I, I really like it. It's got a lot of the, uh, it's got a lot of the kind of the, the spirit of 73 magazine, you know, in, the, in that it's mostly by contributors and stuff. So, uh, I take one or two of them with me to work each day. And at lunchtime, I'm sitting out there next to the Einstein statue, um, reading Electric Radio magazine. How how appropriate. Life (laughs) is good, Pete. Life is good. (laughs) Hey, you wanted to talk about the amateur's
1: code. Yeah. Kind of good stuff. Yeah. Well, this is really, I tripped over this. Okay, and how I tripped over it is I had Doug DeMau's, uh W1FB notebook because I was looking some stuff up in there that what he's done. By the way, there's a great 10-meter uh, uh, linear amplifier in there, and guess what he's got in there? RF feedback. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Yeah, he, I knew what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, he knew what he was talking about. But anyway, as I'm going in the back part of it, this thing jumps at me called the Amateur's Code, and it was written by Paul Siegel, W-9, E-E-A, and I think later Siegel was the general counsel for, for ARRL for, for many years. He wrote years. in, 19, wrote in 1928.
0: 1928.
1: and he was saying, this is the amateur's code, and these are some things that we should do as amateurs. And, you know, the thing that's kind of sad today is a lot of those are not being observed. <laughs> you know, rudeness on the air, uh, guys that say, I only talk to DX, um or there'll be situations where maybe you have a, uh, uh, a problem with your signal. Instead of saying, hey, old man, you know, I'm noticing something, they jumped down your throat. I'm going to keep talking for a second. I'm going to go over to the bookshelf and get Yeah, okay. So uh, anyway, it, it just struck me that uh, in 1928, <clears throat> uh, Siegel put together this uh, code. That, that talked about um, what we should do as amateurs and help, a desire to help other people uh, a desire to advance the radio art uh, you know just uh, uh, international goodwill all the things that uh, we talked about in the pre- prior podcast are built into this uh, code it's in the back section uh, oh oh he's he's looking at, he's looking in a uh, I, I should say that Bill's looking in a and <laughs> arl handbook where i found mine was in the uh uh w1 fb's uh okay. so he's that that looks like a 1959 version or is that a 63 ah, version well, it took me a while but I is that the 63 version with the 1963
0: right. or 1959 i have the
1: 1963 i recognize the cover, <laughs> the cover beautiful cover yeah. it's nice green yeah. cover i have one somewhere
0: <laughs> three dollars and fifty cents yeah. Yeah, this is a beauty. You
1: get get them for $49 today.
0: By Goodman, uh the editor. And okay. I um the uh the amateur's code, number one. We won't go through the whole thing. I think um uh, uh the um, we'll go to the most important ones. The amateur is gentlemanly. Yeah. Yeah, why not? There's nothing wrong with being gentlemanly. Um the amateur is loyal. This one's a little bit kind of <laughs> I think self-interested because it says he owes his amateur radio to and the American Radio yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 Self-serving. All hail the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he offers it his unswerving loyalty. Yeah, there you go. A bit much there. Yeah. It's kind of a, okay. Three, the amateur is progressive. Okay, good. He keeps his station abreast of science. All right. Who can argue with that? It is built well and efficiently. His operating practice is clean and regular. <laughs> well, I don't know. I might be a bit irregular from time to time. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, here's number four, and this is important, I think. The amateur is friendly. All right, there you go, friendly. Friendly is good. He says, slow and patient sending when requested. Friendly advice and counsel to the beginner. Kindly assistance and cooperation for the broadcast listener. These are marks of the amateur spirit. There you go. I think you're getting pretty close to what you're talking about. Number five, the amateur is balanced. Balance is important. A lot of imbalance out there. Um, Radio is his hobby. He never allows it to interfere with any of the duties it owes to his home, his job, his school, or his community. Yeah, those are 48-hour marathon contests (laughs) contests yeah, yeah. <laughs> all weekend Lock yourself in the room yelling five nine new hampshire or something like that it might not be the most balanced thing but anyway that's just my my view the amateur is patriotic his knowledge of his state and his station are always ready for the service of his country and his community paul siegel yeah that was the paul Siegel. that was the original one way really back i think it was
1: 1928 yeah yeah by the way Where, there's some great projects in that handbook you just put down Unlike the current AWRL <laughs> handbook that has no projects in it, <laughs> <laughs> projects are good. Yeah, there's a anyway. Uh, yeah, I need think... transmitters in there. One tube transmitter, a sixty Q five. It shows you how to convert an arc five in there. A couple of uh, transceivers. I mean receivers. One, two tube, three tube transceiver uh, receivers. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good year.
0: That was the day. Those were the days, Pete. Anyway, I think we, we started talking about this because poor Michele over there in Croatia, when he was testing his simple siever, he, uh, he kept hearing this guy in Barcelona who kept calling CQDX, CQDX, CQDX outside Europe. I used to hear this all the time when I was over there. And I'd be sitting there with my little homebrew DSB transceiver, desperately looking for a strong signal in the hopes that that person might actually be able to hear me. And... Um, I, I, I would, I would, you know, he would always be emphasizing outside Europe. And if I called him with my M-Zero call, he'd come back. Not this particular guy, but whoever was calling CQDX outside so, so Europe, he'd come back, out, outside Europe only. I mean, dude, how, how how hard would it be to say, hey, you sound good, 5-9, or, or something like that. But that's, that gets into the friendly. Uh, oh, yeah. Factor, right? yeah. Anyway, and... <laughs> I know I know. I know you've been bothered, too, by some of these guys who think they own own frequencies. Um, yeah. I got, on, I got on 40 a.m. the other day. A guy kind of tricked me. I didn't like it. And Churchill said, nothing rankles like a trick. Anyway, I got on a cold 40 meter. I called CQ on 40. About 7.45 a.m., the frequency was completely cleared. I checked and checked and checked. There was nobody there. Called CQ. Guy comes back to me on a.m., well, kind of odd, because um, he didn't seem like an AMer. He wasn't really interested at all in technical stuff. wasn't interested in the rig or anything else. But he quickly told me that he felt like he wanted to clear out because he, he knows he thinks there's a, um, a sideband net coming up on this frequency. And, well, he's going to go. So, seven three old man, he leaves. Okay, I wander over to the bench. And a couple minutes later, I hear the, <laughs> the cues sort of start up. It's him on sideband. Yeah. He was just trying to clear me off. I mean, yeah. that was kind of tricky. I not like
1: I, I had the same thing happen to me. I called uh, CQ on forty meters. This guy come back to me. He said, "I just want you to know a net's starting up here in eleven minutes. So you better <laughs> you better not you better not get parked on this frequency." I I, I said, oh, "Okay, <laughs> okay." <laughs>
0: God, I didn't realize they didn't take reservations. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but anyway, I think one of the important important point to make is in here is that uh, you can't take make a big deal out of it. I mean, you kind of grumble about it a bit, but it's not really worth getting into a big thing on the air and getting into a shouting contest. Some of these guys seem to specialize in these kind of arguments on the air. I don't, I just kind of move along. Yeah. But I do make note of who is, uh, who has committed the transgression.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, this can be terribly frustrating and I'm going to harken back here to about 1963 when I was out on Midway Island and uh, we had a uh, we had an amateur station there, KM6BI, and our our primary role was running phone patches. And as a matter of fact, at the time I was a custodian of the station, and so uh, we'd have some some the people would sign up to you know get on the phone patch list. And I had this guy that was trying to uh, get into Boston because his wife was about to have a baby. We had no telephone lines. There was there was no telephone service to uh, to Midway at the time. So uh, I said okay I'm looking for phone patch traffic looking for Boston Massachusetts I had two guys come back to me and uh, so the first guy says uh, I said okay you ready to take the phone patch oh he said I don't have a phone patch I just want to get a contact with KM6BI <laughs> so I said okay you got your contact now the other station he said well, I don't have one either he said but you know you're rare DX I said, look, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> this guy's trying to find out if he's a father, you know. <laughs> he says, so why did you call me when I'm saying specifically I have some urgent traffic, you know, phone patch? And and it was just so frustrating. Finally, we got somebody, and he got connected with his wife, and he, he had a son. So he was really excited. But, I mean, this was serious stuff. And uh, people, you know. People get obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with working. Yeah. You know. And it, I want a card. Been, I want a card from KM6BI. Well, they didn't get a card, it, by the way.
0: <laughs> it's been done.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, I, and the other thing I think
0: we could do is just what we're doing now, sort of uh, encouraging gentlemanly, Absolutely. friendly
1: behavior. What would it take for that out. guy to say, "Hey, Bill M0BHR HBR Homebrew Radio, your, your call." There you go, yeah, you Homebrew Radio HBR. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, your 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 signal sounds good. Now I want to try to work some DX. Uh, What'd that take? Thirty seconds?
0: <laughs> no. I know. I know. Anyway, that's enough of our uh yeah, um, our public service announcement uh for the uh, for the week, uh, for the month. Enough ranty. Um another thing came up I want to mention real quickly. We were talking about negativity. How about negative frequency speed? Negative frequencies. And I'm not talking about fourteen three one three <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> when I was or seventy two hundred No <laughs>
0: when I was noodling about the phasing receivers, I kind of I went out, you know, you go out, sometimes you Google, you see what's out there, who, who has explained these things in different ways, and holy cow, I found this one explanation, supposedly an explanation of how uh, an AM broadcast transmitter operates and how the sidebands are generated, and this guy, who is apparently a real a kind of a guru on digital signal processing, he, he kind of sought to explain... How a real AM transmitter operates, and man, it was the strangest thing I ever yeah. saw. I've never seen anything like this. Like, he said that you know he had he had the scheme set up where that you know there were like sidebands coming out of the microphone, like when you speak into the microphone, you know, upper and lower sidebands are being generated from the microphone. I, I
1: can't and visualize he, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I had a
0: tough time with that. And then he then he went on and he said, okay, you know, if the uh, if the transmitter is running at uh, you know, like a one, let's uh, say, say it's operating at one megahertz in the AM band, then you got to realize it's also tra- transmitting at negative one megahertz. There's a, a negative transmitting frequency. I said, holy cow, wow, we got to get on these bands. I yeah. can't wait to start yeah, transmitting yeah. on negative
1: 75. I, I got a negative sideband receiver. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it's not just a negative
0: sideband, it's a negative carrier frequency. Oh, there you too. go, there you go a whole different <laughs> bucket. And I was thinking this could be like the opposite. Like everybody on, on negative so like 75. It's like a doppelganger, <laughs> Right. But, but like the opposite. Like yeah. the equal like twin. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. So like everybody on negative 75 would be really friendly. Yeah, there you go. Because the opposite of what it really is. Anyway, uh, I put this up on the blog. I know it's kind of controversial, but I just found it really strange. Anyway, um, it's up there. Take a look. Um, hey, hey,
1: before you get too far along, because we, we're – Approaching an hour here, shameless commerce division. You still have time. You still have time. Thank you, thank you, Pete, for the
0: reminder from shameless commerce division. It is, and then now it is the buying season. Yes, I'd like to remind our listeners that our books are still available. They're available in both print and e version. You can have one by Christmas, and you can, you can, you can get them from Amazon and Lulu. Uh, and uh, the uh, if you want eBooks, you can only get them from Amazon. But in print, you can get it from Amazon and Lulu. You know, the Us and Them book might be good for your long-suffering spouse who, you know, has been hearing about the solder Smoke thing, and, you know, and you've been talking about solder Smoke. Give the spouse uh, Us and Them, because it's more of a family thing. There's a very little bit of radio in there, but it's mostly about the family experience of living on the very long, the expedition <laughs> <laughs> that we were, yeah. that we're involved yeah. in. yes. Um, and then uh, solder smoke. Well, that's really for for solder melters. But uh, but these are good gift opportunities, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that Lulu and Amazon would be happy to to take your order. Also, um, don't forget as you continue your holiday shopping, or as you get started, whatever the case may be, <laughs> um, use the, uh, the little box in the upper right hand column of the Solder Smoke blog page, and then cha ching, Bezos in the suit sends us some money that we turn into radio parts projects 160 meter antennas college fund well we no we, that it prevents us from having to dip the into college the college fund there you go there you go to build the 160 meter antenna which the family frowns upon to do that <laughs> <laughs> well you could have gone to college but i had to get on 160 am so yeah, so yeah you know, yeah be a little understanding, kiddo. And,
1: and and besides, Bill now has realized it's going to take five point seven years to send Billy to college. You keep of telling me this, but I'm I'm pushing back on this one. Uh, <laughs> trust me. All right.
0: So anyway, that includes that concludes this uh, week's Shameless Commerce Division. Um, I have a, a I, this is not commercial at all, but I have a, a, an a, an updated offer from our secret benefactor. Ooh. We have a secret benefactor out there. I would tell you his name, but then it wouldn't be secret. Right, no. It? That's the first thing about secrecy. Uh, anyway, um, he, he has available a, um, a number of really beautiful 400 picofarad variable capacitors. Now, we the idea was originally that we were going to just do this for the uh, Michigan Mighty Might project, but we our benefactor has said he wants to expand the offer. So... It is now these capacitors can be used in. it will will be the person who asks will be deemed eligible if he or she describes a worthy homebrew project. In other words, if you need this capacitor to build a VFO for a direct conversion receiver or for whatever, if it's a real ham radio homebrew project, uh, send me a short email. Tell me what you want to use it for. And I will pass your name on to our secret benefactor. And in my capacity as Grand Poobah, and arbiter of eligibility, AOE. I, will, I will make the determination. Our, our, we, you know, we've got some quirky standards here, but if it's for a good project, uh, you, you'll, you'll get it. And then that means you get the capacitor for just the cost of postage, which is, is pretty good. It's about six bucks in the U.S. So let us know, and I will then pass it on to our secret. Anyway, anyway, worthy homebrew projects. Send a couple lines about what you're building, why you need a variable cap, and maybe a little bit of your own knack story. This will help confirm that you are, in fact, among the worthy. Anyway, well, that's uh, that's that's where that stands.
1: You know, a perfect home for two of those is the Lou McCoy 80, 40-meter CW transmitter with the 6AG7. Six, six two of those go in the Pi network. There that's you what you need, two of those.
0: That's the, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, we're. I think we, we need to move on. We got. Oh, Mike. Oh, real quick. What do you? What, what's ahead? What, what are you going to build in in twenty uh, sixteen? Okay.
1: Are you seated down? Is your blood pressure I, down? I, I am. Okay. I, I'm going to get. I'm going to learn Python, and I'm going to build a single sideband transceiver out of a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I warned you first.
0: <laughs> you know he, he, he's just doing this to torture me. You know
1: <laughs> Guido, Guido P E one N N Z has done it.
0: Yeah, and this is why you guys can't see him. But but Giuliano's sitting there. He's got his European beret on. He's wearing a beret this morning. It's cold. He, he, no, he says it's cold, but I think it's because he's under the influence of Guido. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, yes.
0: Right. I told you. All right. Good. All right. Okay. I uh, am going to be on the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. I am going to. i I've got a couple little projects. Obviously, I'm going to finish the phasing receiver, 160 meter AM or bust, as Steve has proclaimed. I'm with him on that, and I might even pull the 160 pull the DX60 out of its uh, humongous heavy metal cabinet and work on getting some. Broadcast quality
1: audio. Oh, you're going to do a little audio shaping in in the mic circuit. Is that what you're going to do?
0: Add little lows, some capacitors in there. oh presence. Presence. Okay. I need presence. Needs to be brighter. Yes. to have some lows. Needs to sound like Barry White on
1: it. Yeah, uh, there you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that should be fun. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, now it's time for, yes, yeah, solder Smoke Mailbag. Yeah. There we go. Um, first, uh, we'll have to go through this kind of quick. We got a lot of mail. We, we talked about uh, Michele's Croatian creation, the, the videos up on the blog. He has two videos
1: now. Two, there's
0: two. two I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get the second yeah. one up there. I got the first one up. I, if you take a look at the first one, I'm sure you'll be able to find the second one right next to it. But Great work, Kelly. Um and we we got emails from a, another member of the International Brotherhood of Electronic Wizards. Roberto is down there in El Salvador. This guy's only been in the hobby about five years. He's already got a Drake two B and he built a tuna tin too. He's got a whole bunch of other stuff and he, he got this two B and he was working on getting it going. And Alan uh Walkie came to his rescue and he's got that two B uh sounding really good in El Salvador. So uh it, nice to hear from uh My old stomping grounds there, Roberto. Did he get his problem
1: fixed? He 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 got it fixed. Yeah,
0: he. Yeah, he. One of the problems was he he was he was having problems on lower sideband. I think Alan prescribed a blast of um, air from one of those air dust sprayers inside the uh, kind of the band uh, that that weird bandpass LC filter that they have in the in the two B, and it did the trick. Oh, cool. Well, that's good. All right, Roberto, progress. Um, I got a really nice QSL card from Nick, N3FJZ. This is real mail, snail mail. He uh, sent me a card to commemorate our homebrew-to-homebrew contact uh, using uh, you know, Bidex-like rigs. Uh, and he has a new blog. His, uh, links are, the links to his blog are up on my blog, some really great stuff Rick is working on. And I put a, uh, I scanned the QSL card and put it up there. It's a, a homebrew card to commemorate a homebrew contact. It was really really nice. And
1: I love this VFO. I love it. He has a
0: VFO <laughs> column, and it says VFO SI fifty three fifty. Yeah, there you, go. there you go. Not many not many cards these days have a separate entry for a VFO. <laughs> no, <laughs> most hams wouldn't know what it yeah, is. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's a VFO? VFO?
0: Oh, yeah. that's that. Oh, yeah, that's a big dial. Uh, no, no, the That's a big dial. Something
1: you move with the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You Raspberry Pi man, and no people to talk. You'll be sitting there saying, "My mouse is broken." Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see. Um, Jim WA7HRG. There are home brewers out there that we had no idea they're oh, out there building yeah. stuff. This guy blew your mind, Pete, Ooh, because yeah. uh, you know, all of a sudden he came in and he announced that he was had, had completed had completed when he wrote in. Uh, a rig that's kind of a combination of the LBS, the Zia, and the Simple Seaver, all kind of mashed together, a mashup.
1: But the, did you see that cabinet, that homebrew cabinet? Beautiful. Oh, Amazing. man, this looked like something out of the 1930s. I mean, just big box, you know, with a big dial on it and a and and big speaker, right? The big the of circular front of speaker.
0: How, I looked at that and I said, How did he ever get that circular speaker hole? actually circular. Yeah. If I tried to do that, yeah. it would be, it would be a, quite a bit wonky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look a little square. It was completely free of wonk. Yeah, no yeah, wonk yeah. at all. All right, anyway. Um, Dan, uh, we heard from Dan, KC0IZR, who is also here in the wilds of Northern Virginia, a bit west of me. Uh, he has been, get this, stripping out old video cassette recorders, old VCRs, in search of the elusive 3.579 megahertz crystal wow and that's mojo that is mojo and soul. he, he to the needs to pass
1: by home depot like ben did <laughs> and he found one in the tv <laughs> set but it's the
0: same spirit and he used it yeah, to build yeah. a mighty mic excellent uh, excellent dan we hope to run into you in the ham fests of northern virginia uh, mike ab1yk is building on your recommendation a direct conversion receiver hopes to move on to X and beyond I got kind of scared because he started asking about all kinds of wild modifications to the bidex. X yeah. and I had to ask, I said, did you build one <laughs> yet the regular way? <laughs> that might be a good idea Then he confirmed that he's going to build one the regular way and, you know, use Farhan's design. And once he gets that going, then he's going to move on to, to noodling, modifying that, of course, why not? That's the name of the game, but you shouldn't do that from the, from the beginning. I mean, that's kind of after you've got one work. Yep. I think. So good advice there. Um, Peter, G6 NGR. This is what I'd mentioned when I said mad dogs and Englishmen. You get these ideas from our British cousin, Pete, because, you know, it, they are stoic people. It's not This is not just some sort of false stereotype. There is a stiff upper lip element over there. This is why there's such fanatical loyalty to the GQRP club oakum's razor keep it simple minimalist no need for all that high power stuff it has to do with part of it is british stoicism and uh, peter i don't think he even realized this when he wrote in but he decided he liked that uh michigan mighty might thing but he's decided to add some amplitude modulation to the Michigan mighty might (laughs) good good lord i thought man you know it's it's almost impossible to make a contact with the Michigan Mighty <laughs> on CW. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. If it, I don't know if it's ever actually happened. But, but you know what? When he described it, I th- you know immediately thought of cathode modulation. There you go. Cathode oh. modulation. He was going to do it in the emitter. I said cathode modulation. Why not? No,
0: I think Noel Coward had the uh, an old song that came to mind, and it became a rock and roll album. It was a rock album called. Mad dogs and Englishmen. Who goes out in the noonday sun? Mad dogs and Englishmen. Anyway, uh, this is a a, a topic uh, or a project not for the faint of heart, and uh, uh, Peter's going to going to go for it. I, I actually saw some merit in it. In that, not that we would try to transmit on this, but if you if, if you took Peter's mod, if you have a Michigan Mighty, Mighty and you have a few parts laying around. Just hook the hook the thing into a dummy load, and see if you can generate AM and just hear yourself on the shortwave receiver on the other side of the. The shack that'd be kind of fun. So, thanks for sending that along, Peter. Speaking of uh, British cousins, we got email from GM4JJJ and G3ZPF. Tales of youthful experiments with light beam communications. I thought this was really cool. Yep. Just so I'll tell you quickly the story. G3ZPF, especially, he and his brother were fooling around with light beam communications when they were kids, and they were they started out with like uh, I think just incandescent light bulbs, and they couldn't get the thing to work because there were all kinds of problems trying to modulate the, the light from an incandescent light bulb. This was genius. G3ZPF said, Wait a second. He on his own, this is real heavy duty, inventive madness. He said, Wait a second. Why don't we use the, the light from the sun? Because my brother can take his detector, which is a phototransistor. And an AF amplifier. So he takes a photo transistor, hooks it up to the mic input of an AF amplifier. He goes across the field. And instead of trying to focus a flashlight or an incandescent bulb, G3ZPF takes a mirror and focuses the energy of the sun onto his brother's photo detector. So far so good, right? Here's the genius part. He figured that if he took the mirror and glued it to the cone of a loudspeaker fed by an audio frequency amplifier, his voice would cause the cone to vibrate, which would vibrate the mirror, which would modulate the sunbeam, and his brother across the field would pick it up. It worked. This was all prompted by a, a brief entry in the Smoke book about how Mike, a KL7R, and I were fooling around with laser beam modulation. I was modulating the the light from a laser pointer and aiming it at a a solar panel. And when Billy was small, he and I were shooting our voices across the the living room in London. But man, that is is real genius for a little kid to figure out to do that. Now, when he told me about this, this was really kind of wild because I kind of Googled light beam communications and the wikipedia page took me to an entry about somebody else who had done this alexander graham bell did it on february 19 1880 and this is recorded in i mean his, his system was a bit different obviously he wasn't using high gain audio amplifiers back then but it was essentially the same thing mirrors would come down and then the mirror would modulate a, of a light beam and he had some sort of detector system at the other end but um, Wikipedia claims that this is the first ever um, wow. um, let, let's see how would he put it? A, da, 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 da. it the the first ever phone communication first ever you know wireless um, wireless phone yeah a lot of people think that that was like 1906 New Year's Eve Fesson didn't play in the violin on Christmas Eve this was 1880. They weren't, they weren't using radio frequencies. They were using light, but it was wireless. The first ever wireless phone, 1880. Anyway, three cheers to his G3 ZPF. Three cheers for him and his brother. They modulated the sun. Wow, very cool. Uh, VK3YE, Peter Parker, uh, the, uh, the wizard of Melbourne, sent in a nice video on his homebrew superhead receiver. Um, you know, it just, it, it, it reminded me a lot of, of, it also, like yours, reminded me of, of Doug's barebone superhead. But somehow these, both yours and Peter's are more fun. There's more kind of life. There's more yeah. kind of, I don't know, excitement uh, into them. Maybe it's because we have available more meat, multimedia. We have uh, YouTube videos and LPs. Just get the word out, yeah. Yeah. Um, Grace and our friend in Turkey had a while back alerted us to the fantastic homebrew <laughs> tube-type sideband rigs. I know, you're, you're, <laughs> your mouth is, you're thinking about it, and your mind yeah. is, his, mouth, his jaw is dropping. <laughs> yeah. Jaw-dropping, G- uh, KG7TR has a website called Octomania. Yeah. Octomania, go for it. Just Google, KG7TR, Octomania. He's the Octomania Master Thermatron Home Brewer. This guy builds uh, sideband rigs using tubes for HF, masterpieces, just And, and a
1: lot of them are converted arc
0: fives. Uh, it's, and, he, you know, he's redone the site. Yeah. Jason told me he reorganized oh. it, so it's now even easier and more appealing. So uh, go there and have your your uh, your, your Thermatron minds just blown by the excellence of KG7TR's work. Finally, Pete, the last letter in the mailbox, Say this one special for you, comes from Rob, N7REP. I don't know if you remember. Oh, you yeah. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just—I'll just an excerpt from Rob's letter. He wrote to both of us, but he said, "Thanks, Bill, for not straying too far from the non-microscopic, discrete component analog path." I'll read that again. Thanks for not straying too far from the non-microscopic, discrete component analog path. Man, he says, I reach for the Xanax when there is too much Arduino chatter we having to use a microscope to tell a resistor from a capacitor. <laughs> but. I told, I said, you know, <coughs> diversity is important. We need, we need to have both the yin and the yang, both sides of the spectrum. Balance. Thing. Balance. balance. <laughs> I think we're very balanced here. We're becoming more balanced every day because you are moving deeper <laughs> into raspberry Pi land as I go over to work on my DX100. But.
1: But it was interesting. Did you see the radio he has? He's got a Flex three thousand. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's got a Flex three thousand. Yes, yeah, so. but he said when he likes to build stuff, he does it with discrete components. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's okay. All right.
0: <laughs> hey, the new year is approaching. Christmas is almost upon yeah. us. I think it's time to wrap. You got anything else for the, for the? No,
1: I just want to wish you and your family and and those podcast listeners a very happy holiday, a safe holiday, and just yeah. uh, enjoy the time with your families. Put a little balance into it uh, and spend a, get away from the rig. <laughs> spend some it's time with time. your kids. Yeah. By By the way, yeah. I did get a very special birthday present from my daughter, and and I don't know if you I don't think you're aware of this, but uh, what she did is she contacted. Uh, one of the editors at qrp quarterly and in the last edition of uh, qrp quarterly my lbs2 was on the front cover you remember the picture so she contacted him and he sent her uh, a file of the artwork and so she had the thing blown up and framed so when we had my birthday party yesterday this big box arrived and opened it up and there's this framed picture Nice big frame picture of the the cover of uh, the last issue of QRP Quarterly. So I, I've I've got a real treasure. I'm going to have to hang it uh, hang it here in the office. So I, I've got it. So it really kind of cool.
0: Beautiful. Hang it up in the office and get a picture <laughs> of you standing next to it. Yeah, with your beret. On. <laughs> there you go. Right. There you go. All right. Now that's congratulations. That's a beautiful gift. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I too will pass uh, holiday greetings on to all of our listeners. Um, happy holidays and uh, and good luck in the new year. And thanks for all your support and and for listening to our uh, our ramblings here. And and because it's it's a special day, I'm going to close the show with uh, with the ceremonial gong Don't you think? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. So
0: so before I'll say seven three from the wilds of Northern Virginia.
1: Seven from the left coast. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Pete. You bet. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Ooh, that's awesome.
0: The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, The Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Soldersmoke is listener-supported, and there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Soldersmoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke Store at Cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!